It's July 2022, episode 21. Angie Byron on cultivating well-being in tech communities. Welcome to Hacking Culture, exploring practices and technologies that contribute to well-being. Hacking Culture is sponsored by Lullabot, and I'm your host, Matthew Tift. In this episode, my guest is Angie Byron, the Principal Community Manager at MongoDB and a Drupal Core Committer. I'm really excited that Angie agreed to come on the podcast. In our conversation today, we talk about her early experiences in the Drupal project, as well as topics such as community wellness checks and Angie's transition to working in the MongoDB community. Angie has done a lot in the Drupal community, and she's very well known. But to start off today's interview, I asked Angie to give us a brief background of her history working in open source communities. I'm Angie. Hello. Uh, I have been involved in community management space for 25, 30 years, long time. Uh, My first stab at community management was as a teenager. I was like, a queer kid growing up in the Midwest United States. It was not the happiest time for me, but I found like an online community of other queer people and that kind of got me through. And I taught myself programming as a result of that community because I want to make like a little website so we all had profiles for each other. And then uh, that sort of got me into the development space. I got very obsessed with open source. And so I was, you know, teaching myself Linux and PHP, MySQL, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, fast forward, I went to school for that. I got into the Google Summer of Code program uh, back in 2005 and uh, selected Drupal as my project of choice. And I'd never really been involved in an open source community before that. I kind of thought that was for like smart people or whatever, you know, like that kind of like, that's not for me, you know? And then got on like this side of the wall and I'm like, oh my God, anyone could do this. And so I went nuts and I was just like getting involved in everything I was doing like, module development and core patch review and you know on the security team and the webmaster team like any way I could help out I kind of did and I got promoted to core committer within there and stuff and I had a really long career in Drupal I worked at Lullabot uh, who you may know <laughs> and, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I worked at Acquia uh, and then uh, you know kind of kind of got to the point where I felt like Drupal was in a really good place like we had you know kind of created this predictable release cycle around it. The community was had had like some governance structure and was was in a healthy place. And so I decided to kind of see if I could try my my hands at like building a huge community from scratch again. Uh, and now I'm over at MongoDB doing that with their, uh, I'm running up uh, community programs there for doing things like our champions program, our MongoDB user groups and, uh, and various other things like that. So that's that's me. We've known each other for a while. You actually spoke at Twin Cities Drupal Camp, the very first one in 2011 when I was organizing it, and in 2015, I believe. So you you might know me as a developer, and you might not know that I also teach yoga and meditation, and I have found those practices to be very helpful in my life. So as a little bit of background as to what I thought we could get into. I, I I don't have any desire to sit around all day and meditate. And I like working on computers. So I've gotten really interested in this idea of well-being and specifically how 
all of these different elements come into that, including for me, yoga and meditation, but also realizing that there's lots of other people out there that don't meditate, although they might even say that they do, <laughs> um, but that there are lots of other supports for a happy life. And I'm kind of curious how open source fits into that. So that's kind of what wanted got me to reach out to you. So um, I'm just going to, if you don't mind, uh, quote you, because you recently won the Aaron Winborn Award in the Drupal community, and you wrote a blog post about it. And in there, you said the Drupal community is uh, really is something incredibly special. There's an innate desire to enthusiastically share knowledge, to celebrate the wins of others, and to jump in and help where help is needed. We've forged long-standing friendships and at least a couple of marriages, and we've had many, many laughs and also a few cries, and we've all come together from all over the world to build something truly amazing. So I saw that, and I thought, wow, that sounds like a wonderful place. And <laughs> I, I wondered, since you've been kind of on the forefront of making the Drupal community a welcoming place, like how you think we're doing. I mean, it sounds like based on that, you think you must feel like the Drupal community is has been a pretty welcoming place for you. I uh, I would say it is a very welcoming place. Uh, like it, it does me great. It gives me great joy that when I talk to people at DrupalCon for whom this is their first DrupalCon, they still feel some of that like energy and inclusiveness and welcoming feelings that I felt way back in 26 or 2006 at my very first DrupalCon. It was a long time ago. And back then the community was much smaller. And so, you know, one thing that you always kind of worry about as a person concerned with community is like, you know, does, does that feeling, do those cultural values, those core things translate when, you know, back then DrupalCon was like 80 people and now it's, I don't know, 3,500, some crazy bigger number than that, you know, and, and does it still scale with our community, our values and this kind of thing. And so it's been awesome to see that. Yes, I will say it wasn't always <laughs> a welcoming place. I have another blog posts uh, from earlier where, you know, my first five minutes in the Drupal community were interesting where I, you know, I was this new Google Summer of Code student. I went in the channel and I was like, hey, everybody, I'm Angie and I'm so excited to be here and blah, blah, blah. And they were basically like, shut up. This is a developer channel. Don't talk like, you know, I was like, ah, you know, and then, you know, that, you know, it taught me a lot. It taught me about, you know, really, you need to understand the cultural norms of a, you know, a community when you enter it, you need to spend some time lurking and really understanding the thing. So I learned a lot out of that experience. But one of the other things that came out of that experience is I was like, man, if I was not sort of contractually obligated to stay in this community for the next three months and work on my summer of code project, that probably would have been my last five minutes in the Drupal community too, right? And so I kind of set about to make sure that that was never anyone's experience ever again, <laughs> you know? And so, you know, tried to, to really impart that, you know, there were so many different people and so many different great attitudes and really like finding those people, you know, accentuating what they were doing, um, and really trying to lead by example as well, you know, on the on the idea of mentorship, on the idea of like, it's okay if people don't know everything coming in. I had literally never even installed Drupal at the time I was a Google Summer of Code student for Drupal. I came in because I'd seen it on the Spread Firefox website, you know, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. So, you know, kind of trying to reinforce those norms because I, you know, I worked really hard. I earned a lot of respect from my peers, 
and then trying to like use me as an example whenever I would you know kind of sense that coming out I'm like hey man like don't flame out the newbies like that's how people get involved they learn you know this kind of thing and look at what they are doing and you know what I mean? this kind of thing and and over time really trying to shift that culture to one where we don't expect everybody to know everything out of the gate um where we set out to to document those cultural norms and make sure that people have a way of learning them you know over time creating more structure so that it's not like we're all little blue nicknames and we're all the same except if you talk mean to that one person you're going to get 50 people on your back you know, like this kind of thing it's like you know creating codes of conduct things like that back when that was new um so there's it's been a journey and a process i think to to really codify that as community values but um but nevertheless yeah it's like despite that initial rough experience you know i think you know drupal has done so much for people's careers and well-being and and all kinds of things so i i it's a it's a wonderful community to be part of and i'm, I'm happy i can still be part of it even though i work somewhere else now so when you make a statement like that that you that you feel like this has been beneficial how do you arrive at that are, are there personal anecdotes that you have not that you need to name names but of of seeing other people maybe seem like they're a happier person or a more joyful person or you know something like that as a result of their participation in the community yeah um so i can speak at this through the lens of um i mean i can speak at it through many lenses but the lens that i'll use is sort of the um the I'll, I'll do it through like underrepresented genders in tech so like it as in part of my uh drupal time i led the drupal chicks group which was later called the women in drupal uh, group and then the uh rainbow drupal group as well i was kind of a co-organizer of that group and um what was interesting about both of those is you know, we'd have a meeting at DrupalCon and everybody would be kind of sitting around in a circle and you, you'd find out like people from Drupal, especially in underrepresented genders come typically from all kinds of different things. Like in other open source communities, like maybe the Linux community, maybe you're coming from more of a traditional computer science background. Like I went to school for this. I, you know, work in computers, like that's my thing. Drupal was not like that. It was like, I was the most technical person at my church. And so they put me in charge of the website or I, uh, my, I'm an accountant, but my web developer blew me off and I had to figure out how to maintain my own website or you name it. And like, people are coming from all kinds of non-traditional backgrounds and finding their way into Drupal. And then when they got here and they, you know, found the community so open and willing to share knowledge, many of them made careers out of their Drupal time. Many of them started companies leading to other people's careers. So it's created this enormous wealth of opportunity, particularly for underrepresented people. Not as good as it should be like, you know what I mean? Like I, we have a lot of work to do. I don't wanna paint it as the, this paradise or anything, but, but relative to other open source projects, uh, we have a very strong showing of diverse folks and um and you know there's a lot of money in the drupal ecosystem and that has led to opportunities financial opportunities networking opportunities people have changed their whole lives one prominent core developer you know grew up in hungary you know very poor and like this kind of a thing and now lives in canada and like you know has this beautiful apartment overlooking the bay it's just like these kinds of stories permeate all over the place that drupal has been a source of opportunity it's been a source of you know lifelong friendships you know I like I went through some rough personal times and you know I you know I just like went down the coast visiting all these like friends that I had for a decade or more and it's just like that feeling of you know everyone kind of coming together supporting each other this kind of thing I think that 
that's kind of what I'm alluding to when I say that Drupal literally has changed lives for the better in many, many cases. Wow. So the, the online community then is leading to in-person interactions and folks being able to support each other. Well-being literature talks about how connection is one of the fundamental components to having a happy life. So that would make sense then that Drupal can provide that connection. It seems like it also can provide, like you're alluding to, some sense of financial stability. It can provide social opportunities. So I guess I, I wonder too, like in what way that Drupal is providing these positive experiences. And, and let me let me just explain that a little bit because like when it comes to mental health, like if somebody's wants to like they, they have poor mental health, you know, they might turn to drugs, they might turn to meditation, they might turn to therapy. But it seems like some people sort of just show up at an open source community and kind of blossom. Mm -hmm. And, but I, that seems like kind of a stretch to me. Like that's not something we would talk about, or at least I have heard people talking about like showing up at an open source community and you're writing code, but you're also like, I, like some, it seems like some people almost use it like, like this is their outlet in life. Is, mm -hmm. Have you had that sort of experience as well? I mean, I think I think that definitely resonates with my own experience and many other people's. I think it's a little bit of a double-edged sword because, you know, to, to to riff on your your theme of connection, you know, um, open source as a general rule in Drupal as well falls into this is like you you really feel like you and you are. It's not even a feeling thing. You are contributing to something bigger than yourself. And so, you know, if you are working for a customer and you have they have a bug and you fix the bug, it's gonna like fix it for that one customer and there will be a Jira ticket about it or whatever, and then it's done and then that's the end of it. In in open source, if you fix a bug, you're fixing it for every single person that uses that software it does down the line. And then there's no way in open source, at least, you know, in, in the Drupal project and many other ones, this concept of like peer review uh, and collaboration is central to everything. You don't, you know, you, you don't just say, oh, there's a bug fix. It's done. You have to discuss it, right? Like you have to make a bug fix and then propose it. And then people riff off it and they say, oh, actually be careful of the coding standards. Like, and then there's a discussion that happens about your work. And um, and then at the end, you know, it's it's really a team effort that ends up getting in. It's not one individual person's contribution. So the connection piece is almost built in to the workflow, which can be super intimidating for some people, right? <laughs> um, yeah. But why I said this was a double-edged sword is because at the same time, that sort of higher calling of like, I'm gonna contribute to something greater than myself, I'm gonna make a difference in like, you know, Drupal's users have been like ACLU or like, you know what I mean? Like EFF, these these organizations that I deeply believe in. And so um, it was easy to like, you know, really throw myself into that. At the same time, people who are, you know, kind of lean towards that, you know, kind of aspirational, uh, idealistic, contributing something bigger than themselves also tend to be the type of personality that puts other people before themselves. And so self-care can be a thing that goes right out the wayside until you are so far down the burnout cycle that you don't even realize it's happening. And, and there's been some, you know, kind of catastrophic flameouts in our community too. So I don't mean to paint it like it's all one big happy picture. You know, I myself did that to myself. You know, I worked so hard for so long making all this cool stuff in Drupal and then my personal life fell apart because I wasn't paying enough attention to it and I wasn't giving it the care that it needed. You know, and I, I myself personally learned a lot of hard lessons this way too. 
Um, so I think, you know, what, what we've tried to do as a community about that is like, you know, we've tried to set up structures to enable like things and not people to be in charge of stuff. So for example, there was a time when the Drupal community was young, where anytime there was a conflict of any kind, they would ping me personally on IRC and be like, what? Yeah, I know. And they'd be like, this person's being a jerk. And I'd be like, okay, well, why don't we all talk about whatever, you know, this kind of a thing. And that was not sustainable. I was definitely not trained to do that. It was just that, you know, I was nice and like, I cared about people. And so that was all they needed. So, you know, going forward, what we have done is we've set up a committee for this kind of conflict resolution. It's called the community working group. There are people there that get training on being trauma informed and things like this so that they know how to go about addressing a conflict. And it doesn't fall on one specific individual. It's a group of people and setting up those kinds of structures is much better. Again, at one point, I was the only core committer other than Drees for Drupal 7, right? And that, so everything that happened in Drupal was either on me or Drees and Drees was starting a company and stuff at the time. So he's a little checked out, of, you know, on stuff. So it was basically me doing a whole lot of work and staying up at unreasonable hours. So, you know, once again, we tried uh, an approach where it's like, let's do role definition. So core committer is not this all encompassing thing. We're gonna have different types of core committers. We're gonna have a product manager who's focused on the UX. We're gonna have a, a framework manager who's focused on like the APIs and the architecture. And we're gonna have a release manager that's focused on managing risks and you know and, and this kind of thing. And so now all of a sudden your your span is not this entire un you know unwieldy thing. You really can focus in on those those particular things. And we have multiple product managers and multiple release managers. So nobody is stuck being like the sole point of you know like burden for the, the entire project. So we've tried to do that in many different aspects. The security team has the security working group and so on to try to build that that sort of infrastructure and that resiliency into the community so that individual people when they need to can step away and and we encourage that and we don't you know and 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 the whole organization as a whole still continues to run ahead so yeah those those structures that sounds very important recently i took part in something called the burnout and mental health in open source and it was put on by the chaos community which is the community health analytics open source software <laughs> and we had a we had this session um and one of the participants said you don't have to set yourself on fire to keep the world warm <laughs> that's a great quote <laughs> kind of resonated with me so what you're talking about sounds wonderful because you're saying the community can provide that structure to help protect people from setting themselves on fire and the chaos community also has this thing called a burnout metric. So when you talk about these different groups and in their well-being, you you were mentioning the core committers, the, the contributors, as well as some of the other people that are contributing to the project. How do we monitor well-being of an individual or a, a core committer? Or should we do that in a project or a community like this? That's a great question. Um, first of all, I always want to say that quote is is fantastic. Um, that you don't have to set yourself on fire to keep others or keep the world warm. And furthermore, if you do that, you know, like I went on mat leave. It took 
eight people to replace me. Like, it's not good, right? It's like you, wow. you, you end up creating a situation where, um, you know, one person, when they inevitably leave for whatever reason, personal or burnout or otherwise, it, it, you know, it's, it's a risk to your community, you know, even though you love those people and they're like, great, I love that you want to help out. So intentionally setting things like term limits, intentionally setting things like there's a maximum number of these committees or whatever that you're allowed to be on, you know, like kind of enforcing those at a policy level is really important to try to protect those people that are going to be the ones that want to help out with everything. And it's like, you want to encourage that, but you also have to be mindful that 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 isn't good you know the other thing that we found by by doing that and replacing me with eight people or whatever is that that creates leadership opportunities for other people right you want to grow the leadership of your community you do not want your leadership to be stagnant and like one or two people at the top to manage everything it's like giving that that opportunity for folks who are keen in the community by maybe a little help or guidance or mentorship or maybe they don't and they're coming with a totally different perspective from their past lives you want to allow for that because that is where like richness and uh you know of, of everything comes in terms of monitoring individual health um i think what the chaos community tries to do is is amazing which is try to look at uh kind of quantitative uh data maybe also qualitative data i'm not sure i checked in with that project a couple of years ago and i've been a little out of it but but i uh you know that kind of thing that can kind of look at indicators like this person used to post all the time and now they're posting only a little bit like what's up with that you know kind of stuff mm -hmm. um i think you know strikes a balance you you, you gotta strike a balance because you don't want to like spy on people or ask invasive questions but at the same time you know it, in terms of community health you really do if someone's really struggling you know it, someone reaching out to them and saying hey man what's up you know that could make all the difference and it could literally be a life saving situation and depending on what the situation is i would say i don't think uh drupal does this as a practice i think we don't have tools like chaos set up that I know of. Um, we've talked about that kind of idea, though. And so what tends to happen is we we be, by not having tools for this to kind of predict the future or kind of look at these trends. What tends to happen, I think what probably happens in a lot of communities is we find out only after it's kind of like too late. So we find out because um, a core developer got so burnt out that they're now attacking other people and now all of a sudden you got a huge problem because it's not just an individual community member who's like you know kind of being a jerk it's like someone with a great deal of respect and power being a jerk and that sets a tone right for your community if you don't deal with that you are you are basically effectively saying that you know we as leadership condone this behavior because this person is really valuable or whatever and that's not a road you want to go down so um i think that the drupal community does not do enough of that um and i don't think most communities do a lot of that you know kind of find out after the fact well i haven't seen that person in a while I wonder what happened oh well you know like this kind of thing so i would love to see us be more proactive about it um in a respectful way you know what i mean i don't i don't think we should hound people i don't think we should you know, if someone is 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 checked out, it's like don't mercilessly ping them or anything like that. But I do think that, you know, somebody caring about this and like doing specific outreach to individuals who are either exhibiting burnout tendencies or, you know, their activity drops off for whatever reason, I think that that would be a really positive step to take because had somebody done that for me when I was going through some stuff, I think it it wouldn't mean I would I felt less alone, you know, like when I was dealing with a bunch of stuff and um and my, my community was there for me. I just had to ask, but some people are not even at the level they can ask. They're really far down the, uh, you know, the mental health sort of road. 
Um, so yeah, so I, uh, I'm rambling a lot. I'm sorry, but like, I would say, I don't think we do enough proactivity in this area. I think proactivity in this area is really important. And then again, I, I think it needs to be a group of people that does this outreach and it should not be dependent on one person, uh, or any individual in a community to take on this role. Cause there's a lot of emotional labor involved in, you know, you don't know what you're getting into with these conversations and, and what could happen, but, but the, the net effect of talking to folks, especially if they're on their way out or they're in the burnout phase is you learn very quickly, like, what are the, what, what are the problems that we have? How can we intervene earlier to try to address these things? And I think overall, it's really good for community health to, um, and sustainability to, to, to look into those issues. That seems tricky, what you're talking about with figuring out, is, is this like a human interaction that is monitoring the health or are there some other mechanisms or support structures that we could use? Somebody else at that same burnout session, I think, made a point. Well, one way you might be able to notice is if they're making a lot of commits late at night or all day long or something like that. And I was thinking, well, that's going to be kind of tricky on a, a worldwide project. <laughs> if people, you couldn't really tell, are they working late at night or something like that? So that does seem like a, an interesting challenge because if somebody is is struggling as part of a project, there could be so many outside reasons. And really, you can't necessarily just throw a metric on there for a lot of folks and be able to figure that out. Mm -hmm. And I think there's also, you know, uh, like I've had definitely had points in my life where my personal life was not great and kind of work slash Drupal was my outlet. And I needed that at that time. That kind of got me through. It gave me something to concrete to work on. You know what I mean? It gave me that connection, that those kinds of things. I don't think that's healthy as your only source of interaction. You know what I mean? But but you know, sure, there's definitely sure. been points where it's in. I I do feel like you could do that in a way um, where you know, let's say, let, uh, just spitballing here, but let's say the community working group started up uh, community wellness checks as a thing that they do. And um, they wouldn't even necessarily have to show the criteria for it, but they could have some criteria. It's like, we're gonna look at folks who have this, that, and the other you know, thing and generate a report of, of individual people who meet these particular things. Um, and I actually think basing it off like weird late night patterns or like excessive you know, activity compared to their peers is actually a great metric. And there's probably ways to like, look at their local time zone and do math and whatever. Yeah. Handle yeah. it. But if you wrap it as like community wellness checks and then don't solely talk to those folks, but really make it about like everybody and maybe have a form where you could request a community wellness, like I have some stuff I want to say, you know, that kind of thing. Then it then people don't feel so targeted or singled out. It just becomes like, hey, this is a thing that we do. You know, we just wanted to reach out to you in this larger context of like, we like to understand like what's working, what's not. And if there are concrete suggestions for our community stuff, is that a conversation you want to have? If so, let me know, you know, kind of thing like that. And that proactive one-on-one -on -one reach out, I think will be much more effective than expecting people to come to the community working group because they have some feedback. They they won't, they, they see the community working group as like, oh, it's big, scary. That's like where I go if like, you know, mommy and daddy are fighting or whatever <laughs> kind of thing. It's like, yeah. So I, I think having, um, but, but again, not, not calling it the, the contributor burnout lookout program, don't call it that, but like call it something that, you know, is about the community wellness, community health of the thing and include 
both people that are like, ooh, possible danger zone, but also people that seem to be doing fine and get a mix of different perspectives because that's, you know, you never know who's going to have something awesome to say. Another kind of related aspect to this that I've wondered about is the role of the Drupal agencies and the other companies that contribute, because I've had this maybe idealized notion of these Drupal agencies that are active in contributing to the community, that they're the ones that show up at the Drupal conferences and sponsor everything. They hire people, they give people a livelihood. And I've wondered about how agencies might be able to help with something like this, where rather than trying to do the scope of the entire community, it might be easier for various groups to somehow participate in that. I don't exactly know what that would look like, but I have thought that sounds more manageable. So I'm curious, do you think that agencies and other Drupal service providers might play a role in helping folks have a you know, enjoyable experience in the community? Um, I, I definitely do uh, think that. I think that there, there's a number of ways that agencies can contribute to that. Uh, the, the first is, you know, giving paid time to contribute so people don't have to chisel it out of nights and weekends time. Mm. Um, that's really important. Trying to tie as much as possible the client work that you're doing and you're already getting paid for with community work, like, and really honing that message to your clients that, listen, we can make this module for you that does some, you know, whatever bananas thing that it needs to do. But if we, you know, tack on a little bit extra, we can open source it for you. And now we're going to get all these other benefits from doing that, you know, and really, really honing that story. One of my favorite examples of this is there's a module called Five Star, which is a voting module that you use to make a one to five star rating. And um, I, I'm going to get the companies confused, but like, say, uh, they're they're competitors though so one of them is a record company and the other one is a record company and they both had big drupal sites and so the module was written in open source by company a but then company b ported it to drupal 7 you know and so it was like it was wonderful because both of these organizations could recognize this is not in my you know this i'm a record company i don't want to make voting modules for drupal as a as a practice so they were able to externalize that and then you know, gain the benefits of this open source community and collaboration and things like that. And so I think telling stories like that to, to get people to really understand it is important because, you know, it's easier for a company like Acquia that's got VC funding and bananas budgets and all this kind of stuff to kind of have a dedicated team to Drupal. That's much harder for an agency that is doing client work or, you know, these kinds of things. And, and you don't necessarily know where your next you know, bill is coming from this kind of stuff, you know, it's so there's a range of things, but I think, you know, helping agencies understand how to couple those things together where possible and really explain the benefits of, you know, contributing to the broader ecosystem to their clients. I think that's an important thing. I think also on the burnout scale, um, you know, that one's trickier. Like you talk about, like, can we get these companies sort of collaborating together to, um, you know, to, to, you know, get their employees in a, in a good place burnout wise. I really think this is probably more like something maybe the Drupal association could be doing, like providing these resources that are like, you know, how to talk to your customers about open source. Here's how to contribute to Drupal 
in a way that you will not get yelled at, <laughs> like this kind of, you know, these kinds of things. Like we talk about Drupal being very welcoming and it is, but there's also cultural norms that are not always obvious. And so like helping people through that. At work, you know, we hired some new junior folks who had never been involved in Drupal before. And there was a whole process that we led them through about like, here are norms around peer reviews of patches. And here is where you find the tools to do, a, you know, the coding standards reviews and these kinds of things. And that was great for our, you know, few employees, but that didn't help the whole community. So taking things like that, that maybe already exist or, or need to exist and extrapolating them out into a central resource that everybody can draw from. Uh, so you don't have to work at a big company with, you know, rockstar Drupal developers to get this information to be available to everyone. You have described a lot of this in terms of contributions and code contributions and that kind of thing. And I, I also wonder just if the fact of the Drupal community as people working together can help support one another in ways that are other than like monitoring their contributions or encouraging more contributions, but simply creating a culture of talking about supporting their employees. I mean, even things like making sure if you're offering services like this, like talking about the importance of offering your employees health insurance or other benefits that lead to happier, healthier lives that then might make people want to contribute more to the project. But have you thought much about the other sorts of supports that the community can provide? Is it, is it mostly about finding ways to build the community more? bring more code, bring more features, that kind of thing? Or is there like an aspect of the community of, of supporting one another that could be cultivated? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I, I tend to come from the perspective of contributing in community just because that's where I lived for many, many years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I didn't run an agency and I don't, you know, I didn't manage, a, you know, employees and have to look at HR things and stuff like, you know what I mean? Like that. So that's just my perspective. Sure, um, sure. But yeah, I do think, you know, that that's a great idea. We know from research that you've done as well as like Dries and stuff like that, that the vast majority of contributors, again, I'm using that word again, but you know, folks in the Drupal community are, um, are, are you know, they work for a company in some way. It, it's a very different shift than when we first started, you know, we did this, a similar survey back in like, I don't know, 2008 or something like that. And it was like, four people are paid to work on open source and everybody else is like a volunteer right and huh. there's been a sizable shift you know towards that that end so i love that approach of you know going at it from an agency level and i think the drupal ecosystem in general has this great idea that even though we're like competitors you know what i mean and we're all competing in the same space it's like a friendly competition because like no matter what if open source wins, that's good for all of us. Do you know what I mean? And, and that kind sure. of attitude. So I love that idea of, you know, getting together leaders from, you know, different organizations that are kind of leading, um, leading in this area and sharing best practices and things like that. Again, it feels like something that maybe there's an opportunity for the Drupal Association to, to have something like that, like a Drupal employee wellness get together and have folks and do it as an unconference or something like that and get folks sharing their ideas, uh, do it as a virtual event, something like that. I guess it's just kind of outside of my area of expertise because I know I, I don't, I've never run a business, but I know enough about running a business that like, it can sometimes be a challenge just to kind of get your own house in order, let alone kind of collaborating on a bigger house with other people. But I think it is very important uh, 
thing to be thinking about because of that kind of underpinning of the of the the way the economy of Drupal is set up. If you attack it from the from the health and well-being of employees at these different agencies, that will naturally help with the with the with the bigger transition. The other thing is that people at employees or people who are employees for organizations are paid versus if we try to drum this up as a community initiative through, you know, the the volunteer time of, of folks in there, I don't think it would be as, as effective. How are you finding your experiences transitioning to other communities? And I say that knowing that MongoDB has a very good reputation of being a very welcoming place. Do you want to talk a little bit about that transition and, and the types of similarities or differences that you're seeing in terms of community interaction? Yeah, I, I would say the biggest cultural shift is um, Drupal is a GPL open source project. And although big fish such as Acquia exist, nobody owns Drupal. Drupal is a, you know, the copyright of Drupal is collectively owned by anybody who ever committed a patch or had, a, had you know, wrote a patch for it. So there are thousands of people that own Drupal and no one organization that owns Drupal. And so the sense of ownership and the sense of, um, uh, you know, the sense of, of, of I want to contribute to this because it's bigger than myself, that kind of thing kind of comes innately with a project like that. MongoDB, as well as any other, you know, kind of corporately run uh, project is very different, right? It's it's almost like if you were contributing to Acquia Drupal instead of Drupal, right? You're contributing to a product owned by a company that is for profit. And so the incentive models are very, very different. People will not innately from the goodness of their heart necessarily want to contribute to this thing. They do it with other motivations in mind. So they might do it because they want to get a job, they might do it because their company is paying them to care about this problem, you know, but someone on their nights and weekends submitting patches to MongoDB out of sheer passion is not a thing that we've managed to grow here yet. Maybe someday, but you know, it's it's very different because the governance of the project is at the end of the day, if MongoDB doesn't want it, it isn't going to go in, you know? And again, I'm not singling out MongoDB, any project that is owned by a company, you know, WordPress with automatic, et cetera. It's just like, you're, you're going to have the same dynamics. And so it's a very interesting sort of challenge, you know, because you have to interact with the community in a very different way. You kind of have to get down to the individual level and find out what are your motivations for being here? What do you want to do? And uh, there's been a an interesting thing too, where the the company, as a whole is very concerned with things like, you know, our shareholder value and our this, 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 not necessarily thinking down the road about their community value and what they can do. So there's been a lot of like education on my end to make sure that whenever we do kind of request something from the community or try to get community involvement, that there's always like a win-win there. So in other words, it's like, we get the community to be a track chair uh, or, you know, on our, on our track community for MongoDB world. Great, because we get an external, perspective, all that's good. But also, we're gonna make sure we call those people out, you know, as like volunteers, so they get recognition, you know, what I mean, so it's always like finding that 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 nice, like sweet spot. And I actually think that's a that's a much better way to do things in Drupal. A lot of times you didn't really have to think about it, because like the, the motivation would come externally, we didn't have to cultivate it as much. And when you do cultivate it, you you end up, you know, kind of thinking more of in a partnership perspective, rather than you know, like a, like a, oh, we have this community and they're awesome and they're always doing things, you know, like if you don't have that, you can't take that for granted, so to speak. You have to be a lot more intentional 
about how you engage the community and you know what sort of opportunities you provide for them and what sort of collaborations you can set up so that's my my general uh thing that that i've really learned and yeah and the other thing that i learned it was really cool is um i'm in charge of the champions program over there which is where you know we find folks who are out in the community and they're you know talking about stuff they're they're teaching others they're creating tutorials like whatever this they're talking about mongodb in a positive light and you know they're passionate and they're experienced and we go find those people and we you know build programming around them so that they you know have a great experience and they say more nice things and so you know like that kind of thing and build build the next generation of mongodb practitioners and you know so i interviewed everybody as part of the program when during my onboarding because i wanted to kind of understand the lay of the land and it was really cool because every single one of them and there's a lot of like straight white cis dudes in this program you know they were like the diversity of this program needs to be better we don't have enough other voices in it. it was like it was like great like <laughs> this isn't a fight i have to have versus it was definitely a battle i had to wage in the triple community again very early on 2006 2007 but you know we had to have that conversation about can we get rid of the gendered pronouns can we like you know can we have a code of conduct can we have all of that has already been fought and it's already accepted here as like yes of course we want diversity now we just need to strategize about how we're going to do that and so that has been super refreshing you know to not have to to feel like that's an uphill battle that i have to fight uh, and that diversity just baked into what we do as a company, what our community wants and our values are very aligned. And that's awesome. So you mentioned motivation a couple of times there. What do you think that is motivating the desire for diversity in the MongoDB community? I think, you know, if you boil things down to what folks want to get out of programs like this, you know, they want to get access. They want to get access to early information. They want to get access to specific people at the company who know cool things. They want to get recognition. They want to, you know, have their name up in lights. They want to be called out as kind of special from their peers uh, in some way for, for, you know, for the different efforts that they're doing. They want learning. So they want to like be able to learn new things. They want to be able to learn things at a, at a deeper depth than maybe other people are able to do. And then they want networking. They want to be able to meet other people. You know, they want to be able to, to share perspectives, that kind of thing. And so diversity really underpins like all of that stuff. You know, it's like you're going to get completely different ideas into like little projects we could do together than you would if it was like a very homogenous group of people. You're going to uh, get exposed to other experiences and new new different communities and that kind of thing that you wouldn't necessarily be be aware of, you know, this kind of thing. So I think that's that's really underpinning it. And I think also it's just it's a it's a core values thing. It's like diversity is like it, it's been like if you're if you care about economics and stuff, it's been proven that more successful companies are more diverse, blah, blah, blah. I don't care about money, <laughs> but I do care about people. And, you know, and so I you know, what you see at companies that really have this thing down is you've got, you know, like a wide variety of perspectives and those perspectives are welcomed and encouraged and people feel safe to be their authentic selves and all of that underpinning a community is so, so, so important. And it basically creates a community that that if it's welcoming and it's evidenced by the, the variety of types of people in there, it's more likely people want to participate in that community. So um, so I think there's a bunch of different things that that people resonate with. So some of it's self-serving, but a lot of it too is just like, you know, kind of getting into that deep thing. I want to make the world a better place. I want to do that through my work. I want to do that through my volunteer time. And so this is, you know, th this manifests itself that way for, for, for a lot of these folks. So do you think that sense of caring for people is one of the key 
values that you have brought as you've gone from Lullaba to Aquia to MongoDB? Like, do you feel like that's one of your main motivations? I definitely care about people a little too much. Sometimes. <laughs> I, I think, uh, I think that is true. I think, I think more where I bring my skills is a, a friend of mine had me do this like skills builder thing. And I don't necessarily really believe in all of that uh, necessarily, but it was cool because the thing it picked out for me was developer. And that doesn't mean like, I'm a coder because I'm actually kind of a crap coder, if we're perfectly honest, but, <laughs> um, but it means meeting individual people, finding out what makes them tick, figuring out what they can do, what they can't do, what they wanna do, and figuring out how they fit, not only into the bigger piece of things, but individually how to level them up. That kind of stuff, I love. And I love doing it at scale, and mm. I love doing it on an individual level, and that I think is the energy and the, and the you know, thing I can bring to, to, to you know, the project, the company, all that kind of stuff, because it spans everything. Like I had to hire people, you know what I mean? Like I, you know, was working with the recruiting team and, you know, figuring out how do you guys work and what do you need? What are your motivations? Interesting. We need this and figuring out how to partner, you know, all of that kind of stuff that, that really just finding different groups of people, figuring out what makes them tick, figuring out how to get them what they need. Well, you know, kind of making the, the thing as a whole bigger at the same time. That's, that's what I really like. Well, your excitement definitely comes through in your voice. (laughs) We're getting near the end of our time. I just have a couple more questions for you to wrap up. Is there some particular tip or trick, practice, or technology that you would recommend to somebody who is uh, contributing to an open source project or or any project, I should say, any sort of uh, community to contribute to their uh, well-being? I really think this is more a statement for community leadership, so to speak, but I think we all play a role in community leadership. So it's really a statement for everybody, but look out for your people because, you know, the people who are the most driven and the most enthusiastic, the most involved are the people who have the biggest propensity to way overdo it and not rein themselves in in time and and sort of like skid towards the kind of the not good place, right? And so I think whether you develop metrics around it or whether you go by, you know, spidey sense or however you do it, you know, like watching for those signs from people and really checking in on them and making sure that they're, they're doing okay. You know, and I, I think just a quick like Slack message to say, Hey, how's it going? You know, I noticed this and this, is everything good? You know, that can mean a world of difference to somebody and very few people take the initiative to do that. And again, it's very easy for it to slide until it's too late. So I think more proactivity around looking out for each other would be my, I don't know if it's a tip, but (laughs) that would be something I would love to see. Some way to keep people out of the not good place. Yeah. (laughs) The the show that never got made. (laughs) Maybe it'll be the sequel. You don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, The not good place. So where can people listening connect with you online? Sure. Um, I would say Twitter is probably the best place. I'm at WebChick on Twitter. I have a blog, but I don't update it very much. And uh, I'm also on LinkedIn as well more these days because I'm, you know, kind of trying to evangelize some of the work that we're doing at MongoDB. But yeah, Twitter. I'm always down for like a quick conversation. I'd love to talk more community stuff. Uh, That all sounds great. I'm also in Drupal Slack if you want to track me down that way. Yeah, lots of different ways. But yeah, sure. Anyway. They get the idea. They can find you. You're not hard <laughs> yeah. to find. 
I'm not hard to find. I oh, I will say, don't use email because for the love of God, I have too many emails and I will forget <laughs> about it. And it's just like a bad scene. Uh, so yeah. So is there anything else that we haven't covered that you'd like to 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 close with? Anything else that uh, comes to mind? I just think I just want to say thank you for the work that you're doing in really exploring this intersection between wellness and open source communities because. And it's relevant to all communities, but open source communities, as we touched on at the beginning, really have that propensity for very like mission values based people who will put other people before themselves and, and, and neglect themselves in the process. And, and I think a lot of us can identify as being that person. So the fact that you and others in the chaos community in, you know, kind of the broader sense of things are really focusing in on how to bring that wellness piece to folks who are, you know, uh, involved in these communities and, and emphasizing the positives of these communities, how they create connection with people. Anyway, I just want to say thank you for all that you're doing because it's a, it's a wonderful place to explore and I, I can't wait to see what comes out of it. So. Well, that's very nice of you to say, I appreciate <laughs> it. And I definitely appreciate everything you have done for the Drupal community and for inspiring so many of us, myself included. Well, have a great rest of your day, Angie. You too, yeah, and thanks so much for the conversation. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hacking Culture. You can learn more about this show and subscribe at lullabot.com slash hacking culture. Please follow at Hacking Culture and at Matthew Tift on Twitter. This episode is released under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 United States License. Hacking Culture is produced at Lullabot. The theme music is from the Open Goldberg Variations. Thank you for listening.